0: On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled A Father's Love, his scripture text to be taken from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 37 through 42. Hear now, Pastor Moody.
1: It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and um, God is just doing tremendous things. Uh, we're excited about today being Father's Day. Uh, we do have a gift for every father. Before you leave today, something we want to give you, and I promise it's not flowers. Okay, so we're we're going to honor all the dads with something this morning. And uh, I was thinking this morning, I'm a little <clears throat> a little emotional this morning. Uh, of course, my dad was a great champion of faith in our family. My dad suffered unthinkable hardships uh, coming up, and when we were small children, our, my mother died tragically, and then. From there, I ended up with my grandfather, who, what a man, came through the Great Depression, told me he worked for a quarter a day, and that was from daylight till dark at a dairy farm and walked an hour in the dark to get there and an hour to get back and packed his lunch every day, worked for a quarter a day, six days a week, made a dollar and a half a week. But that man who couldn't even write his name lived a good life, raised a big family and died I can I say this with integrity and character had a good name and boy, he was an influence in my life he was a little rough around the edges when it came to dealing with boys I tell people all the time I never had any gender issues I knew all the time I was a boy because it seemed like about every five minutes I'd hear him say boy I'm going to get a hold of you boy you better straighten up boy I'm not telling you again so I know what I'm talking about but he loved us like his own and my children loved him He loved my oldest girl, Felicia, especially because she was running around at that time right up to the time he died when he was on his deathbed and didn't know anybody when she walked in. She walked over to the bed and said, Pa, do you know who I am? He had a nickname for He called her Dutch. He looked around and said, It's my Dutch. And I remember when he passed, what a heartbreak it was. Then my father-in-law was a great friend, influence. He was saved 10 years before he died and uh, we we were close i he had uh, my wife's got seven sisters i'm the only surviving uh, son-in-law you know brother-in-law i guess you could say now to the sisters and uh, he always told everybody he loved me like his own and he did i believe he was more proud when i got called to preach he was as, as proud as he would have been if it was his own son so they're in heaven today and i just wanted to honor them and we want to honor all the fathers, all the dads. One of my spiritual sons messaged me this morning and just said, I love you, Dad. So this is a good day. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, I want to go to Luke chapter 9 this morning. And uh, I'm going to read maybe a little different story for a Father's Day message. But early in the week, God touched my heart about this. So if you'd stand with me, Luke chapter 9. We're going to verse... Number 37, and Jesus has just came down from the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. They have saw Moses and Elijah, and God has spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. The father spoke and said, this is my beloved son. When they came down, the, the scribes were contending with the rest of the disciples because this man had brought his demon-possessed son to them to be healed and they couldn't heal him. So that's where we are in this story. So in John, or Luke chapter 9, verse 37, the Bible said, and it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill or from the mount of transfiguration, much people met him, met Jesus. And behold, a man in the crowd of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son. So this is the father of the son. For he is my only child. You hear that in the father's voice. This is my son. This is my only child. And lo, a spirit. Can I say a demon has taken charge of him. And he suddenly cries out and, and it tears him and he foams again. Foams at the mouth and, 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 and it's bruising him and hardly departs from it. It's it just, it just there all the time is what he's saying. And i besought your disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Do you know that word suffer there in the Greek is a word that means put up with? How long do I have to put up with you and your lack of faith? And then he said, bring your son to me. Dad, how many would like to hear Jesus say that in a critical time? Just hear him say, bring your son to me. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and ripped him, tore him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child. What's this. And delivered him again or gave him back to his father. What a mission of love this father was on. Can you say amen? And uh, I want to tell you, we have a father. One song says, we just have a father who can. Whatever you need today, and you might think there's no way out of it. I don't know, but nobody can help me. Can I say, we have a father who can. And I want to preach just for a little while. God stirred my heart this week about a father's love, a father's love. Can I tell you about dads? You know, it's Father's Day and we honor them and Reality is most kids, especially sons, honor mothers more than they do fathers. It's always amazed me to watch those big brutes playing the NFL on Sunday, and, and you know they're they're making millions of dollars and they're trying to tear people's heads off. And and on the sideline, the camera gets one of them. And he goes, "Hi, mom." It's never "Hi, dad." But I want to talk to you about a father's love and what it really means this morning. Father, thank you for the Word of God, and we just give you praise for we need you today. Lord, I'm just thinking today that we're in a generation that needs fathers. We're in a generation of families and society where kids, many of them are fatherless and especially the the plague of addiction has taken fathers and left many kids at home alone without dad. But I thank you for father's love. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the love of godly men and good men that have loved their children, defended them and provided for them and and affirmed them and gave them a feeling of self-worth. Let us be that today. Let us become fathers like that and help us as we preach on a father's love. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Amen. As I said, you pray for me. I'm just a little emotional today. Have you ever thought about the plight of fatherless children? what it means to be a boy or a girl in this world without a father. So many times over the years I've tried to help the fatherless. Uh, I think like this, especially in this world, they're in an extreme disadvantage. I looked at just a few references to the fatherless in Scripture. Job, when he was relating a parable about his life in Job 29 in defense of why all this stuff had happened to him, he said, because I delivered the poor that cried, And the fatherless, and him that had nobody to help him. You know what Job was saying? He's saying the fatherless need help, the fatherless need deliverance. And I was a man of means, and in our society, I saw families where there was no father. And Job said, I took it upon me to be their deliverer. In Psalm 10 and 14, the psalmist said, You've seen it, for behold, uh, you behold mischief and spite. How many knows God knows what's going on in this world? the wickedness. And he said to requite it or to put it down with your hand, the poor commits himself to you. Look at this. You're a helper to the fatherless. And I thought so many times the fatherless today need help. Job was saying they need to deliver and the psalmist here is saying the fatherless are so vulnerable to what's going on in the world. In James chapter 1 the Bible said in verse number 17 that every good and perfect gift is from the Father above and comes down, comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. And then verse number 27 said this, this, you'll remember this one, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That tells me that a father can be more than just a father to his own children. Brother Brian, we can be an inspiration to widows who have fatherless children. We can can take time to invite somebody else's kid to take part in a sporting event. We can take time to invite somebody else's child to go to Kings Island with us or on a vacation or, or take them out to eat or just let them come and hang out with our kids and our family some days. When I started thinking what it means to have the influence of a father, how powerful it is that that, uh, the fatherless require extra care. Can I get a witness? I think in the church, there needs to be efforts made to help the fatherless. And uh, so when I read this story again, I thought of just how fortunate this poor, tormented child was in this story to have a father, a father a man that was cared for him, that was right there by his side, that went to the extreme to get him help. can you say, amen? He didn't just, well, brush him aside, and you know, and I've seen can I say this, and I won't get too specific about it, but I've seen men over the years because a child was born with a challenge or had problems, they would just brush them aside and favor of the other children. Isn't that sad? But here's this man, he says, this one's all I've got and a demon has taken over his life. And so this father does what any of us would do. He rises up to the challenge. He says, there's gotta be something more and and somehow, somewhere, he heard about this miracle worker, this man named Jesus. And so when he comes, Jesus is not there. Can you say disappointment? We don't know where he doesn't know where Jesus is, but we have now the reflection of scripture. Come on, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's our being honored by the Father of all fathers he's there with the inner circle, Peter, James and John, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, all of a sudden Moses appeared, who to to the Jews is the greatest man that ever lived, but also Elijah shows up, and so we have the law and the prophets, and God is saying simply everything in that word of God is hinged on this one man, and he speaks from heaven and said, this is my beloved son, and that's all wonderful and spiritual, and Peter's wanting to build tabernacles for the three of them, And, and in the meanwhile, there's a boy possessed with a demon down at the bottom of the hill. And so the father brings him to the disciples. I've heard about what they're doing, and no doubt he probably thought, if I can just get into that group, that you know, Jesus and that twelve, something will happen. But when he gets there, he's disappointed again. And, and I thought like this, there are places in our society where the fatherless child, the tormented child, the oppressed child, the child that, that doesn't, have the affirmation of a father. You know, that's the child that's usually picked on. Can somebody help me right there? Usually the child that doesn't have the father is the one that, that doesn't do well in school and, and ends up in in circles of influence that he shouldn't be in. And ends up, I hate to say it, many of them on drugs and many of them in jail, amen, or in prison while they're still at a young age. And, and you might say, well, they don't have to live that way. But I remind you that probably most of us can say, I am who I am because there was a man that stood in my life and guided me and helped me to understand what life was really all about or at least, thank God, some man, some godly man or, or family that helped me find my way to Jesus and yet there are many in our society today that are just out there and the devil is tearing them. They may not be possessed and foaming at the mouth, are you hearing me, but they're in jeopardy of their very life and their eternal soul. So all of a sudden, this father says, I've got to do something. So he, he brings this child to Jesus. And, and I just want to look at some of the things that, that I see this father was to this son. And it inspired me that, you know, for 43 years of my, well, really all of my, of my children's lives, I protected them. I provided for them. I watched over them. But when I got saved, that stepped up to a new level. I became something spiritual to my children. And the first thing that I saw about this father was simply this, and this will not be deep and profound, but it's what God spoke to me. Can I tell you, this father knew what it meant to be and was an intercessor, he knew what it meant. Brother Anthony, to stand in the place of that child, amen, and try to find help for him, that's an intercessor. You know, an intercessor, I know we we think of intercessory Prayer Warriors and, and that's who we are and thank God for intercessors. But can I tell you, I've been an intercessor for my child with people at times. There's been times that I had to stand and and confront people for the welfare of my child or deal with people or or plead with people even for something concerning my child. And uh, so when he thought about this man, he was an intercessor. The scripture said in verse number 38 uh, uh, that he uh, he brought the child to meet Jesus. And uh, the man, uh, uh, he, he cried out when he saw Jesus in verse 38 and said, Look upon my son. I mean, it's, you know, somebody said, well, that, that, that might be kind of selfish. No, he's an intercessor. But you're an intercessor, and there's a problem. There's a life-threatening situation, and it's your child. Come on, somebody. In this world, I think that children need to know, come hell or high water, there's a dad that's going to stand up for me, and it's going to plead my case to whomsoever it's necessary to plead it, and especially to God. So he brings him to Jesus. I thought what it means to come to Jesus, how important it is. And in John chapter 4 and verse number 46, we have another account. The scripture said Jesus came to Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman, watch this, his son was sick at Capernaum and watch verse 47, when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him, besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So we see two men here. One of them's just an average father of the community. The other one's a noble man, which means he's a, a prominent man. He's very prominent in society. And so they bring their, they come to Jesus with the need of, of their children. And Jesus sort of rebukes this man and said, "Except you see signs and wonders? Will you not believe? Jesus was kind of, you know, kind of mildly rebuking him because he's, he's expecting to see something. But notice what he says The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down ere my child die. I believe you, at this point, he threw, you know, all restraint to the wind and he was pleading with Jesus My child is about to die. It means something to be an intercessor for your children. Jesus said to him, go, in verse number 50, your way because your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son, can I, tra- can I paraphrase? Your son is healed. He's alive. He's not dying. Something happened. And he inquired, what time did he begin to amend? And they said unto him, yesterday, about the seventh hour. Amen. Which, which means about one o'clock in the afternoon. And that was the very moment that Jesus said, amen, that, he, that, that the child was made whole. He, in verse 53, he said he knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, thy son liveth. And he believed not only him, but now his whole house. Do you see what happened? Because this father stood up for his son. All of a sudden, the whole family's believers now. And they're all saved. Come on somebody, give God praise, if you would go ahead give him a praise verse 54 said this is the second miracle that Jesus did and we like to preach about turning water to wine when Mary said you know, do do everything he tells you. But I'm here to tell you, this miracle has happened because there was a father that stood up and interceded for his son. And can I challenge you dads today, amen, that we need to be intercessors for our children, amen. I, I so many times over the years, and I thank God for them, And, and but this is not Mother's Day. I'm talking to dads today. I've, I've heard many men say, I would come in late at night and I could hear my mama praying and mama pray And thank God mama did pray. But how much better? And I, 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 I will it be also if dads, dad is involved in that process of being that prayer warrior. Come on somebody and help me. I think that we need to understand that a father amen has a responsibility to be the priest of the home and not just the provider. It's more of the business of the father to set the spiritual atmosphere of the family and lead that family to worship God and come to know Jesus. Are you hearing me like this did when this father here at Cana? Amen when he brought his son to Jesus and came, or he came to Jesus the Lord to healed him and then the whole family got converted I want to tell you I believe that there's an opportunity here I believe there's a privilege here for dads to step up and bring heaven down to the house come on somebody and do something great for God in the day we're living in amen hallelujah to God so the first thing I saw was he was an intercessor and the next thing I noticed about him was he was a man of action he didn't just pray, he put legs on his prayers. Verse number 40 says that, that he told Jesus, I brought him to your disciples to get this devil cast out. And they couldn't cast him out. And when Jesus came down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John, he must have been sort of like Bartimaeus, crying out, saying, there's a crowd there, and they're all coming to him. But Jesus hears this one man saying, I want you to take care of my son. Look at my son. My son is demon-possessed. I can't handle this. And Lord, I need your help. Amen, I want to tell you, it means something to obey God. It means something to look at the family and say, today, We're getting after God. Amen. today is the day we go to the house of the Lord amen we've got a problem in this family and that, what would it mean if that dad walked in and said y'all lay the phones down turn the iPads off get them out of the front of the television and let's gather in here and join hands we're going to get a hold of heaven because we need our, our, my son healed or we need this miracle in the family or do you understand what I'm telling you that thank God it's time that we rise up and do battle with the devil and let him know when you, when you come messing with the, my family you're messing with me And I seen a flag on the back of a truck yesterday, an old yellow truck. And on one side it had an American flag and on the other side it had a yellow flag with a snake on it. Now, I don't know what it represented, but it just said, don't tread on me. And I thought, dear God, that's sort of what fathers need to be like. You mess with me and my family and me and this Holy Ghost are gonna give you more trouble than you ever imagined that you'd get into, devil. Come on, somebody. So he was a man of action. He brought his son, amen, to Jesus' disciples, but they were powerless to touch him, to help him. Then he brought him to Jesus. And listen, I thought man has, can I say it, an extremity? There's only so much that humans can do. And and I've, you know, I've 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 met Macho man and I've met Bubba down through the years, you know, that I don't need God, I can can handle this, you know. One man told me one time, I was talking to him about the Lord, and he was sort of a successful man, you know, financially, materially, he looked me right down, I, I was talking to him about coming to church, I said, you know, the Lord's blessed you. He said, let me tell you something. He said, God didn't bless me. He said, everything I've got, I've worked for it. Everything I've done, I've done it myself. I looked at him and I said, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have enough sense to tie your shoes, Sometimes you just gotta be blunt with people. We need God, can you say amen? And I'm the first to say, listen, I've always worked, I've always tried, Brother Roy, take care of my family, but there's one thing I've always do. I remember right after I got saved and my oldest child was sick with a fever at the house one night and it wasn't getting any better and all I knew was they said pray and we went in and we prayed and we came back out of the room, we waited a little while, went back in, she was still burning up with a fever. We prayed again, went back out, Waited out, you know, I said, uh, the second time, the third time, I said, now we're going back and we're gonna pray again. And I said, if God don't move, we're going to the hospital. How many knows I had real faith? Amen, I just, I, I knew I had to do something. But we walked in that third time to pray for her. She was sitting up in the bed, the fever was gone. And I said, baby, are you all right? She said, dad, I feel great And I said, tell me what happened. She said, well, you mom were just worried and praying. And she said, when you all walked out of the room, she said, I said, Jesus, will you come and help us? And she said, the Lord walked in here. She said, I saw him. He touched me. Come on, somebody. And the fever left. I'm glad that we can do things that our children know that there's a God that can answer. We hadn't been saved long. We were just young. So he took the necessary action for him. Psalm 116 verse 4 said, then called I upon the name of the Lord. And I I said, oh Lord, I beseech you, I'm pleading with you, deliver my soul. And said, gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Look at verse number 6, the Lord preserves the simple and I was brought low and he helped me. I wanna tell you, I'm not too proud to fall on my face before, I wouldn't care where it was at, amen, especially when it comes to my family. If there's an attack, I'll, I don't care if it's in the middle of a busy highway or a shopping mall or in the courthouse or wherever it might, I'm gonna call on him that I know can help, can you say amen? amen. So that's what his father did. He, he put some action to his faith. You know this story in Matthew or Mark chapter five about the woman had the issue of blood. In verse number 25, it said she had an issue of blood 12 years and she suffered many things of physicians and spent all that she had. It was nothing better. It grew worse. But the scripture said when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind him, touched his garment. And she said, if I may just but touch his clothes, I'll be whole. There was a man that was palsied, he was paralyzed. And Jesus was in a house, and four men picked him up and carried him to where Jesus was, and the Bible said they couldn't get in because of the press. One old preacher I, I was heard preaching years ago said said the media was there, the newspaper and television people was there, and they couldn't get in the house so, that's not the press it was talking about, but that was a good illustration. Everything in this world today is designed to keep you away from God, can you say amen? The press meant the, the press of people, the crowd of people. So you know what they did? Four men carried that fellow up on the roof of the house and tore off the roof and let Jesus down in the middle. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying dads have got to come to a realization that our society's going to hell, that our kids are in danger, that our grandchildren are, can I say it? They're not growing up in the... America that we grew up in. Can I can I get a witness? Things have changed. It's time for dads to become intercessors. It's time for dads to become men of action. Can you say amen? It's time for us to become people that realize that we must be the one to press the battle for our children. And the third thing I want to say about this father was he was successful. How do you measure success as a dad? You know, I've watched dads over the years say things like this. I want my kids to have all the things I never had. That's that's sort of okay. And they'll buy them every gadget, every gimmick, every toy. I mean, I, I saw a truck the other day that said, in the end, the one with the most toys wins. And, you know, he had all these stickers for boats and sick motorcycles. And that, I'm not on that stuff. That, that's between you and, and, your, and your billfold, amen. But I've heard men say things like, I don't want my children to have to work like I did. And I always say, why? Why not? I'd rather for them to work and be some lazy bum laying around. Have you ever saw that commercial where that kid's in the house with his grandmother and text her and says, bring me a soda pop? Well, he's laying on I said, "I would kick him to the curb. I'd make him think, "Bring me a soda pop." He'd wished he never knew what a soda pop was when I got done with him. What's it mean to be successful? Does it mean to set your child up in business makes you successful? Does it mean to leave him millions of dollars when you die? Is that a successful parent? I was driving down the interstate one day and I saw a super nice motor home. I thought, man, look at this thing. And it had a real nice Jeep tied behind it and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, and it, was, and it was bling, bling, bling. And right on the back of it, it said, I'm spending my child's inheritance. I sort of like that. What's it mean to be a successful dad? I'm gonna tell you. i read it here in verse number 42. It said that uh, that when Jesus Touch this child. He said, when he was coming down, the devil threw the boy down and tore him. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child. Look at the last part of this. And delivered him again to his father. You know why I say he was successful? Because he brought that boy back home free. He brought him home delivered. He brought him home minus one devil. Can somebody say Amen. He brought that boy home with, oh, I'm about to shout, with a relationship with the very son of God. He brought that boy home knowing who God was and who Jesus was. And that boy would never forget that. That, my friend, is successful parenting. You can raise your child up and I'm sure we want them. We want them to have stuff. <laughs> my son-in-laws fuss at me all the time. They tell me I spoiled my daughter's. But I just want to say this in my own defense. They got a lot more now than they had when they lived at my house. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Are you with me? He brought the boy home healed. The scripture said in Matthew chapter eight, verse number 23, Jesus entered into a ship. We're on a journey, folks. We're going somewhere for God. And his disciples followed him. And there arose a great... Tempest in the sea insomuch That the ship was covered with waves And the Lord was in the back of the boat asleep And the disciples came to him And woke him up and said Lord save us We perish I want to stop right there for a moment What's this got to do with Father's Day? Remember what Jesus What God said this is my beloved son I'm pleased to him Hear what he says So they came to Jesus they came to the intercessor. They came to the deliverer. They came to the healer, to the miracle worker. And they looked at him and said, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus said, why are you so fearful, you little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? I want to tell you this that life is full of storms, and it's not going to get any better. These young people back here they're going to see storms after you're gone that you never imagined could happen. Nick, I'd like to be able to tell you that that the world for Enoch and Carolyn is going to be smooth seas and and calm weather and ne- but that's not the case. Sam Harrison's gonna get in some storms. Ryan, you all might as well get ready. Them boys are gonna get in some storms. In spite of everything you can do, you can try to protect them. Sometimes parents are overly protective. Are you hearing me? And what we need to do is bring them to a place where they have faith in God so great that they can stand on their own two feet. When Jesus rebuked his own disciples, when that father said, I brought my son to him and they couldn't heal him, what did he say? Oh, you have little faith. How long do I have to put up with that? And here he says the same thing. Why are you afraid? You, you people of little faith. And you know, I think the Lord's trying to, after he calmed the sea, they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and sea obey?" I think the Lord wants us to train our children up to have faith, in God that when storms come up they won't be looking around afraid they're gonna drown and then when he does something so what matter but they're gonna know that this is the same Jesus that dad knew and I saw him answer prayers and I saw him heal me when I was sick and I saw him change the circumstances in our family I saw Jesus be Jesus because that's who he is and that child all of a sudden has faith Remember what Paul told Timothy, he said the faith that was in your grandmother and your mother. Every time I read that, I thought where was grandpa and dad in this story? Are you with me? Again, I'm not preaching Mother's Day message so don't you ladies get mad at me. I just think dad needs to be the man of God for the whole family, for the whole family. I want to conclude with this. Time's running out. Time's running out, and dads, this could be our last hurrah, can you say amen? I was uh, reading the other day about the Alamo, and uh, there was uh, Houston had a great army that was away from the Alamo, and the group that was trying to hold the Alamo was 300 and something of them. And uh, Santa Ana had sent a 5,000-man army to take the Alamo, Artillery. There's 300 men. They're waiting on Sam Houston to come and bring reinforcements, but he never made it. And Santa Ana had boasted and said, "I'll need." He he told his soldiers, "Leave none of them alive." But what he didn't know was that that 300 in there. There was people in there like Davy Crockett, and some great men. Were that you know that Crockett came from Tennessee to fight at the Alamo. This guy loved a good fight, can you say amen? And they were fighting for freedom. They were fighting because Texas they felt should belong to America. And when Santa Ana finally got in there, and they killed the last one, but do you know that over a thousand of his soldiers died in the attack? They fought hard. And when I was reading about that, I thought, Time was crucial. Timing was crucial. Houston didn't make it. And everybody in the Alamo died. And it became the battle cry of the Spanish-American War when they would say, remember the Alamo. And I like for the battle cry of the church to be, remember, and you fill in the blank, the time that Jesus brought you out. Of that horrible situation, and your children saw that. The Bible said in Jeremiah chapter eight and verse twenty, "The harvest is past, the summer's ended, the productive season's over, and we're not saved." That's always been a challenge to me. For he said, "For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am black, and that." And, and you have got to understand, this is not a racial statement, but in, in the Hebrew, in, in that culture, to, you know, they 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 were thought to be to be black meant covered in ashes, covered in sackcloth, covered in despair. And they were saying, they were saying, "I am black." And astonishment has got hold of me. And then Jeremiah says, "Is there no bomb, no healing in Gilead? Is there no physician there?" And, and I want to say to the church, where is the move of God to the church world? I thank the Lord for the way we see him move here and for the way people are stepping up and with the way men here honor God. And uh, uh, he said, is there, is there no physician there? Then he said, why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? And so I think dads need to realize today our society is in a mess. Does anybody really believe the help is coming from Washington D.C. or Frankfurt, Kentucky, or City Hall? Are you hear me? Or the county courthouse? I mean, and I honor those who are in authority over us. I'm not here to criticize anybody, but I'm here to tell you it's the church and it's the men of God that's going to make a difference in America. Fathers, come on, Dick. A father's love brought a tormented, demon-possessed boy. Can you imagine that when society saw that boy they walked by and thought, oh my Lord. You know? We like to think they said, Well, bless his heart. Oh no, that's not what that's not how people do it. Haven't you seen them out in society? They bear the marks of hell and people walk by and just you know, just disgust. But this boy said, this is my only child, this man did. And he brought him to the only one that could help him. He meant he didn't just bring him once, but he stayed there till Jesus came off the hill. That's a father's love. Amen, Stand with me, that's a father's love. Hallelujah. My brother Mike, 10's church here most of you know him Mike was in Vietnam in the base where they were stationed they went into an area and they sprayed it with Agent Orange and killed everything and then they built their base right on top of it that's where he was exposed to Agent Orange causes 12 or 13 major health issues he's had I think 9 of them he has something called ischemic heart disease that's solely caused by Agent Orange. He has a pacemaker, an He's had it, the first one 12 or 13 years. They told us without it, he wouldn't live a month. They said with it, he might live five years. He had the first one 12 or 13 years, and he's had the second one four or five years. I tell him all the time, he's a diehard. He's a hero, in my opinion. And I was thinking about Mike. He was the oldest of us three when our mother died. He maybe felt it the worst. Mike had got back from Vietnam and him and Kathy had one son. And that son was on a tractor with his grandfather. The grandfather left the tractor out of gear, got off the tractor to open the gate had a set of cutting and on the back of it and the little boy ran to climb back up on the tractor before Grandpa got back and grabbed the gear shift. Pulled the tractor and gear, threw him down on the ground and the big wheel ran across his midsection and the horse ran across him. When I got the call, I was down on Jigwater if any of y'all know where that's at, doing some work for an old lady on her house. When I got to the hospital, Patty and Cloud, I'll never forget, my brother standing outside. Believing he was losing his son make a long story short none of us were saved my dad was but none of us boys were saved they rushed him to Lexington they did a test in Richmond they made an incision put a tube in and pieces of his insides were just coming out he was just mutilated they gave us no hope I remember my brother standing there beating on that brick wall We got to Lexington and a a little girl that was, she's a woman now, she was a teenager then, was saved in a youth group. My cousin, Kathy, got word of it. And she called her youth group and they started praying. And I'll never forget when we got to Lexington and we rushed in there and after a while the doctor came out, you know, with that deer in the headlights look on his face. He looked at us and said, we can't find a thing wrong with him. Shut up. I'm glad that girl got a hold of God for us. But I thought later that dad came to Jesus too. You hear me? I remember back all this happening with Mike when he, had, he went into a ventricular tachycardia. He called me He'd had lungs collapsed two or three times because of Agent Orange. He said, I can't breathe, go to the hospital. We thought it was a lung collapsed again, When we got there. We found out that it was a killer heart rate, a heart thing, ventricular tachycardia. The cardiologist told me if he had not been in the ICU, he would, you would be at the funeral home this morning. He was that close to death. He said, he won't live a month if we don't do something. And I said all that to say this. I remember my old dad, who had watched our mother die, who had prayed so hard for us. He's stricken now with Alzheimer's. And they roll him in the hospital. And he sees Mike laying in that hospital bed. He wasn't. Able to talk a lot, but he knew what was going on, and I saw him in that wheelchair with those tears running down his face, and I saw that hand go up. Dads, we need Jesus for our family. It's all right. We need Jesus for our family every day. The best thing you can give them is a father's love that's rooted in the love of God. Because Adam. Those girls will grow up and somebody will come on and take them away from you one day. But the thing that will affirm them is dad. Telling them how precious they are and taking them to church and guiding them to Jesus. So a father's love is precious, can you say amen? Father, we love you today. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for faith in the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We see what love is because the Father so loved the world that he gave his own Son. So fatherhood is about giving and it's about owning your children. A man that doesn't provide for his own worse than an infidel, but the Father that has the love of God in him He's the father of his child. Help us be those fathers today,
0: God. We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.arhop.life. Thanks for listening.